Hey, it's the Body Bishops. Uh, um, oh, you did you start it? I did it. Of course. I ran, I ran. I've run. I've been running, as you know. And uh, I do. I finished. Uh, I did ten kilometers last week. I did. I did for the first time in my life a park run. Mm. Someone asked me the other day, "Did you not?" Oh yeah, Ray, Rabba asked me. Rabba asked me, "Did I not? Did I not do cross country at high school?" And I did do cross country, but I used to when the kids when when like the teacher ran with the the park, you know, and I would be behind, and then I would just like sneak away and walk around. Get an ice cream, just walk around the streets in Ballyclare, and then I would know where they would be coming back. Yeah, on the loop, so I would just like <laughs> go through the alleyways that way, and then they would run on ahead of me, and I would just kind of like run as if I was. There. So that was my normal. Um, but now I'm running five k's, ten k's, and wow. Yeah, next next week's the park run. You're coming. That's big. I'm gonna try to come. Yeah, got a few people yeah. signed up from the church. Sorry, they coming. This would be good, rotate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be nice. I've got I've got Saturday morning free, so yeah, it'd be. Yep, it'd be nice. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna be competing with Jacob. No way, man. Jacob was 12th. It's crazy. Isn't 500 it? and something people, and Jacob was 12th. Um, I was 262nd. Three young whippersnapper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I was good for you. It's a good run and. She get um she get Baldy Bishop Running Club t shirts. Yeah, yes. <laughs> they bring represent the logo. <laughs> or we could expand it. You know, we could we could make it the, the B seven running club. Yeah. yeah the Blurt. bearded body bishops of Blurton Baptist. Yeah. The Bible believing bearded bird. Yep. Yeah. So I that anyway. B seven. <laughs> so we're we're gonna start James this morning. Uh so we're gonna run right into this letter to James. Um <laughs> Article from James, sorry. Uh, but as per normal, we, we don't want to talk about gospel community first because we do that. We we are in danger of moralism and we are in danger of people taking away the commands without the beautiful motivation and strength to do it. So we definitely don't want to do that. Alistair Groves on the other day, it was said, whenever, this is this, whenever scripture gives an imperative or a command, right, there's always with that command, often explicitly, but always at least implicitly some reason for it grounded in who is the Lord God. Mm. What is he like? What is his character? What is his heart? Isn't that beautiful? That's great. So if we miss that and we just give the command, mm-hmm. we miss 90% of what it's meant to be all yeah. about, you know? Yeah. And it's easy to do that. It's the old adage, um, can't see the forest for the trees and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And so we got some good gospel truths. Martin Luther didn't like the epistle from James. He said it was a, an epistle of straw. I know. Because there's a strain with it, isn't it, against Romans, and Romans was his, his big... His beast, yeah. lessons in Romans. But I think there is a lot of gospel in James. Oh, yeah. Even yeah. if it is implicit, more implicit than mm-hmm. some of the others, it's still it's still the underbelly. Mm-hmm. It's the foundation of both. You know, on, on the topic of Luther, to be honest with you, um, if, if someone like Luther could miss this, yeah. then how easy is it? You know, just for regular people in the church, yeah, and 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 us as just pastors in Heron Croft, all the bishops, man, yeah, we can miss this stuff. You miss it, yeah. We like we've talked about it so often. We we did miss it for a very long time, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, we even so, had some confession about that this morning, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, about how we used to teach the Bible and stuff. Yep, yep. So yeah, gospel truth and identity, mm. it's there. Yep. Yeah. Um. Well, I, th- I think chapter one, verse 
five starts to tell us who God is, which I think is the the proper starting point in any yeah. conversation. And this this is something that we were our conversation was going to earlier. We won't go into details, but so often we start with a man centered focus. So we start looking at ourselves and then impose something about ourselves onto the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really important that we start with who is God. Yep. So in chapter one, verse five, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. All right. So, so what does this tell us about God? Yeah. God is generous. Mm. Um, and yeah, so, so often we allow our experiences and our emotions to dictate who God is, how I feel about God or what I'm facing right now. However, God's character, it's not actually determined by my circumstances or by my feelings, but what scripture tells me God is like. Yeah. And this verse tells me that God is, is generous. Yeah. So. The, 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 sp- the spirit of the age is the spirit of my truth. Mm-hmm. So the truth is to me what it is to me, and it is to you what it is to you. Yeah. Um, so what, what we end up doing is we view God that way as well. Yeah. So we start to say, God is to me what he is to me, and he is to you what he is to you. Yeah. But the beautiful thing that runs um, in the face of the spirit of the age. Mm-hmm. The fact that God is unchanging, and that's what the, the following verses is going to look at. But we start with this idea that he's generous. If we if we take a man-centered approach mm-hmm. into viewing who God is, then we start to look at what we don't have, yeah, what, what, we, what we want, what we desire. Mm-hmm. But when we start with God being a generous God, then we have things in, in the oh, way. That's beautiful, man. And, and- our circumstances change and our feelings change, but the character of God doesn't. That's and the scripture, the scriptural claims about him don't, so that remains fixed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's generous when it says when we ask God, he gives to all liberally. He gives he gives generously, he gives out of his abundance. <clears throat> and then it says without reproach. So he's not he's not rebuking us. It's not cold indifference or anger or hostility or mockery. Like you need wisdom, what do you like? Mm-hmm. He he generously, gladly gives it to us. Yeah. So how many times do you come to God and, and just just be honest with me? I know you don't have a number you can put on this, a figure, but how many times do we come to God in prayer and we think, man, I'm being such a burden to God? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of times we come and we think, oh man, he's going to be like all them again. <laughs> yeah. Or, or just like he's, he's, he's hearing me with indifference sometimes yeah. that comes across. But like, verse five, it tells us otherwise, doesn't it? Yeah. He gives generously and it doesn't reproach us or abrade us. Because if that was us, we'd probably be like, you Muppet should have got this by now. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but, but God's, God approaches us generously, not with that cold indifference. But um, yeah, he gets yeah. us to come, doesn't he? So yeah, verse five, obviously context is wisdom, but mm-hmm. principles for everything. We, we of course didn't come to a generous God. So chapter one, verse 17, uh, God is the father of lights and he's the gift giver. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or even shadow of turning. Mm. Mm. So every every good gift comes from God. Wisdom comes from God, but every other good gifts come give good gift comes from someone who is generous enough to give it. Yeah. Who does not have to give it. That's the thing about God is God does not have to be generous to us. But God in his um his is generous and gentle nature toward us. Mm-hmm for Christ's sake, gives us generously. Yeah, beautiful. And the father of lights is this idea of him being the, the author and source of all light. There is no darkness in God. He's the source of all that is spiritually, more, morally, and physically light and good. Um, and the idea of it, you know, there's no shadow of terrain in him. It's like 
you know, when the, when the sun goes around the sky, the shadows begin to shift and change. Mm. But with God, there is not even a shadow of turning. There's no hint of turning or change in God. He is, he is, which means he's faithful, right? Yeah. So he, so he's generous, he's good, he's he's light, and he's faithful. Mm. Is what we're saying about our God. Yeah. When you take into consideration the fact that God, um, he gives us. There, there's two different types of graces, isn't there? There's the common grace and there's the special grace, and we won't get into all of that, but. God, God has common grace for everyone. Yeah. So, for example, He makes the sun to rise on the just and the unjust. Mm-hmm. So, there's common grace to everyone, but just God's character is going above and beyond just what is common. Yeah. And He gives us for Christ's sake. Yeah. I love what Paul preaches in the Book of Acts. We said this a bunch, but God give their give them merry hearts mm. while they were idolaters, man. Yeah. Living in ignorance. Read Romans one. Like read read Romans one verse eighteen onwards. You've seen the, the the wickedness of humanity, the mm. willing ignorance of humanity. And Paul says, "And he made your hearts merry mm. while you're in that situation." Wow, yeah. That's that's your God. He's mm. generous. He's good. He's light. And um, he's never like that. Yeah, there's no shadow t- turning turning in him. Mm. Um, obviously, he's holy, and there's yeah. there's there's wrath, divine wrath. But he he. he that was uh, the strange, his strange work, isn't it? That's what yeah, the yeah. Puritans called it, strange, strange work. work yeah. So here are we now because of God's generosity, mm. graciousness, love, generalness. Yeah, verse, verses 9 to 10 tell us that we are, we're truly wealthy regardless of, of, of our social status here in Stoke-on-Trent or wherever we're listening from. Uh, verse number 9 says, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, yeah. but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. So those amongst us who are, I'm going to try and say poor in the north, in my poor, right? <laughs> Everyone gives me a hard time for that, Lord. Uh, we are, we, we may be poor, but we are now exalted, lifted up out of our spiritual poverty and we're made rich in Jesus, which is true richness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We are truly rich in Christ, yeah. eternally rich. Not the illusion of ri- riches here. Yeah. The one that color and pass away. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, but, but I, I, th- I do think it's really, really important just to, to emphasize that those who are truly rich are rich in Christ. Yeah. You know, and all of that wealth grows out of knowing Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then obviously if you're a Christian and you're wealthy, that's okay. And, but you've come to realize that you, you were still spiritually poor yeah. and your material wealth could do nothing to save you or help you to grow, to be more like Jesus. But you also have true riches in Christ. Yeah. Um, I, I would still be poor were it not for Christ. Yeah. Even if I was a billionaire. Yeah. Still, popular. but in Christ, I have an abundance of riches. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's like in uh, you know, in the, after World War Two and after World War One, and the German money was worth nothing, <clears throat> and you, you could have like billions, and it was worth nothing, mm. and like in eternity, the billions of sterling or dollars that you have here is worth nothing. Mm. Just, yeah, just comes nothing. And yeah, economy yeah. and your economy comes. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, chapter two, verse five, was kind of on the same. Train of thought. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He promised to those who love Him? Mm. Uh, so more about this is seen. God is interested in the poor, the needy, the oppressed, the downtrodden, the low, the humble, and the humiliated. He's interested in those people. It's, it's part of who who Christ is, and we looked at this in the sermon a few weeks back. But I Isaiah sixty one. Uh, Jesus read this in the synagogue and said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor mm-hmm. and has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives 
the opening of the prison to those who are bound to pro proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance, to comfort those, uh, comfort all who mourn and console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty from ashes and oil for joy in the morning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We're, we're just saying this is, this is who Jesus intended to really come yeah. and reach. Yeah, it, it was part of the Messiah's plan, part of God's plan for mm -hmm. Messiah 700 years before he ever came. Yeah, lovely. And, and as you read the Gospels and you see who Jesus was moved towards, he's it's the outcast, the shamed, the broken. Yeah. God loves to take such people like that and uh, who are aware of their own desperate need and then make them rich in Jesus. Yeah. You know what? It's it's, it's easy to read into the to, to, to verses like the ones that we just read and read into this verse as well in, in James 2, 5. And and read someone else into that verse mm -hmm. to think of someone um, maybe on the streets who's you know hard on their luck as we would say, or think of someone whose marriage has fallen apart and has mm -hmm. fallen on hard times. You know, we we tend to think of someone else in some type of a different condition, and read them into this passage, but really, we're just as needy as them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are we are the ones that Jesus came for as well. Yeah, yeah, and we're now heirs of the kingdom. <clears throat> and he's promised it to us and. We are going to experience its fullness one day. Yeah. Um, so that's that's who God is, who we are. Why do we have all of that? Well, chapter 1, verse 18 says, Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, yeah. that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Mm -hmm. So it's his own will to do this. Because God is good, out of his own will, he wanted to give us this re rebirth. Yeah. No one had to twist his arm behind his back. No one had to make him this contract of, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. It's his very nature to show mercy, kindness, and love. Yeah, God never gives having to say, do I have to? You know? <laughs> wow, that's good. He, yeah. he never prefaces giving to us and being like, oh, do I have Lovely. to? Lovely. Yeah. But yeah, his, so you, you think about when Jesus gathered a crowd together, Pharisees, broken, all these people all together, and those who were under the, the, the bondage of the Pharisees, under the bondage of the Sadducees, forced to do things that the law never told them to do. Mm. Jesus gathers them together and could have said anything and opened his heart to them. And it's like the, the book Gentle and Lowly from Dan Ortland. What did he say? Yeah. He said, come to me mm -hmm. because I'm gentle and lowly. Yeah. So he invited them to come, knowing how broken they were. Yeah. He, he invited them to come. Yeah. So it's as of his own will. It's his very hard to do this. Mm -hmm. And then 2.23, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. So... Yeah, we've trusted in God's character. We've come to believe his promises. We've put our faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we've been counted as righteous, good, whole, pure, clean, just. We're friends of God. By that. That's been mind-blowing. Yeah, and that makes all the difference, Yeah, doesn't it? To, to be a friend of God. Uh, we were once enemies of God, once hated God. As the song said, had he not loved me first, I would refuse him still. Mm -hmm. But yeah. now I'm a friend of God. I'm not, yeah. Once you're in, I mean, I seated at your table. That's it. Yeah. Beautiful. So yeah, God is good, generous, unchanging, kind, merciful, and loving. We, the spiritually pure, have put our trust in Jesus, and he has lifted us up, given us rebirth, and made us rich heir. So we get to the gospel practicing community. Yeah. Artists James want us to live like all of the above that we've looked at so far is true. As if, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, just just to sum it up, I mean, like 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 you said, how does James want us to live like God is good, generous, unchanging, kind, merciful, loving? How does God want us to live like we are, uh, we the spiritually poor have put our trust in Jesus? 
how does James want us to live like he has raised us up in the new birth and made us wealthy? How does that look like practically? And not surprisingly, James has a lot to say about how we treat one another. Mm. Again, like, yeah. like all the other epistles so far. Yeah. So we're going to just spend the today looking at the tongue. Uh, when we did this at home group, we did it. We did two big themes in one, but it was quite epic. So we felt like the podcast would become an epic episode. Yeah. So we're just going to talk about one principle today, which is the tongue. Mm. And then the next one will be about compassion, which is, which is a lot of what we see in James mm. as well. So yeah, verse 19 to 21 is our first thing about the tongue. Yeah. It says, so then my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. All three of those things are very difficult. <laughs> Can't be done in the flesh. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That is so hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Verse 21, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Yeah, man, this is tough stuff. Verse 20, I think is, you know, when you're like, when you're angry and you're like, you're angry because of someone else's sin. I remember Dean and I talking about this recently when you're angry at someone else's sin and then you respond in anger then you're sin, you know, yeah, that's sinfully angry, then yeah. you're not actually going to bring about any righteousness. Yeah. I had a good chat about that would look like. And so, yeah, anger in words, this is, uh, this is big stuff. We, we are, we are, first of all, he reminds us just before he gets into this, we are beloved siblings, my beloved brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And then he says it. So it's because of your relationship in Jesus. Yeah. This is hard to live. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Yeah. And there's loads in Proverbs about this. Um, maybe we won't go through all the verses or you think we should? Yeah, no, we can read a couple of them, see what yeah. we get on. Yeah, uh, Proverbs ten nineteen in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs thirteen three, he who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Proverbs fourteen seventeen, a quick tempered man acts foolishly. Fourteen twenty nine, he who is slow to wrath has great understanding. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven: He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Proverbs nineteen eleven: The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. Proverbs twenty one twenty three: Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Yeah. You know, the last time I read through Proverbs last year, I underlined and it actually wrote out all the ones about um, anger, and, like understanding yeah. and then calm spirit, because it's like. I know this is something, this is like a sin of mine, a besetting sin, I guess you would call it. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, but what we're seeing here, this link between Proverbs and James, is that James is essentially telling us that the followers of Jesus, because of the new life they have and the Spirit of God who works in them, they're the ones who are able to be truly wise ones in this world. Mm. So when you're reading Proverbs, you're reading what does it look like to be truly wise, but we can only be truly wise in Jesus. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's not a list of rules, it's what true wisdom looks like. Um, and James is essentially calling them to that wisdom. Mm. Yeah. So be, be angry and sin not. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what, that's what God says in another place. And it, it's, it's not necessarily saying it's, it's, uh, it's, it's wrong to be angry about everything. There's some things it's okay to be angry about. Like yeah. Child abuse, racism. <laughs> like, yeah. like there are things we can be angry about, yeah. but not responding in that anger and not using that anger as fuel for my response. Because you'll not produce the righteous yeah. God. It's impossible for me to respond in anger and produce yep. God's righteousness. And without without trigger warnings, when you see the world 
react to injustices yeah. in unjust ways. Yeah. You're just seeing verse 20 being lived out. You know, okay. They want to end dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And they get so hateful about it that we never actually go. Feed my rage. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're seeing here is that the wise are humble because they're swift to hear, so yeah. to speak. They're teachable. Mm-hmm. So they're, again, swift to hear. They're ready to hear instruction. They are quiet because um, they're slow to speak. And they're compassionate and they're calm. That's what this is what it means. If you're truly wise, and we're going to see that again mm. in in, uh, in January in, in James chapter three. But the wise are humble, teachable, quiet, compassionate, and calm. Mm. That it's it's good, isn't it? Because that that runs countercultural. Mm-hmm. Like like you said just a moment ago. Um, and the opposite of this is verses twenty and twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what the f- flesh produces: um, foolishness. We're called and empowered to put all these things away because they're part of your fallen nature now. So so God's made us a new creation, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. And uh, for us to to yield to these fleshly products yeah. um, is for us to yield to the old nature, not to the new nature. Yeah. So that if you if you follow the flow of thought then of James, um, being humble, teachable, quiet, compassionate, and calm is the opposite of verse 21, which is filthiness, wickedness. Yeah. Uh, and we're so it's wicked and filthy. Yeah. <laughs> to to not so in other words to be um, slow to hear and quick to listen and quick to anger is filthiness and wickedness. Usually, with when we would hear those words filthiness and wickedness, we would think of some sexual gross sin thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. But he's saying filthiness and wickedness is misusing your tongue. Yeah, yeah. And 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 this anger that's that's in us. So. Uh, they do not please God. They do not produce good things. They do not bless your brothers and sisters. We, we, you know, I, so at the end of verse 21, receive with meekness, the implanted mm. word. So we are to be meek receivers of God's word, mm. humble, gentle, kind, compassionate, using our strength for good, not to hurt. Mm. We're meant to be teachable, ready to be instructed. Mm. And, and we're meant to be, have this disposition of being needy people. Yeah, so. absolutely. And, um, I, I, that should be the rule of the Christian life, mm-hmm. meekness and humility. Yeah. And if, if we're truly meek in receiving God's word, it's not just first 21 isn't just, you know, receive with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. You know, you might be tempted to think, oh, that's salvation. Like when someone trusts in Christ, mm-hmm. but who's he addressing? Verse 19, my beloved brethren. Mm. So you send to my, my beloved, all those who are already in Christ receive with meekness, the implanted word. Mm. So continually receiving the implanted word of God. Mm. Um, and if you do, that's going to carry over into your relationships because mm. as you keep receiving the word of God in this attitude of meekness, it is going to create verse 19 in you. Mm. And all of the Proverbs will be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to run. Yeah. That, so you receive, you, your responsibilities to do verse 21, receive with meekness. Mm. The outcome will be verse 19. God's responsibility in, in those specific terms is to do verse 19. Yeah. He'll work that in you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, running on from the theme of being humble and our reactions, not trying to stir up the wrath of man and expect the righteousness of God to somehow come from it. Uh, we jump ahead to chapter 3, verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. And then just jumping ahead to verses 5 to 12 of the same chapter. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. 
See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is on fire by hell. It is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature in the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and our Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So this is pretty heavy, man. So we're, we're back at the tongue. James has already spent time in the tongue in chapter one. Here we are again. Um, and James says in verse two that one of the greatest indicators of spiritual maturity and wisdom is what you do with your tongue. Mm. So he says, we, mm. if anyone does not stumble in the word, he is a perfect, in other words, a complete or a mature man, yeah. able also to bridle the whole body. So that's big, man. And it's, yeah, yeah. And, and what's being communicated here over and over again is the massive impact of something as small as the tongue. And uh, it's 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 compared to, to fire here. And I'll just give a quick illustration and I won't tear you here too long. But I may I'm not sure if I mentioned this before, but when I was when I was when I was a kid, um we were at my grandparents' house, me and my cousin, and um and we we were playing with matches. We were told over and over again not to play with matches. And, um, and one day as we were playing with matches, being told not to, we went down to the creek bed where there was, there were like dried leaves everywhere. And we blew out the match and just kind of threw the match to the side, which is still tiny hot. And when it landed in the creek bed with all those leaves, it set the whole creek bed on fire, which set the whole hillside on fire. My uncles, my dad, me and my cousin were all running with like, buckets of water trying to and finally we, we did get it out gratefully and the fire department did not have to come out but um but it was scary it was just one little yeah. match that was just a little bit too too hot you know yeah and, and so james is saying the tongue's just like that a couple of careless words yep a few misguided things a few purposefully hurtful things are destructive mm-hmm. like they destroy lives relationships we churches split because of tongues yep. wars get started because of words mm-hmm. words are powerful Paul Trump has a book called the war of words I think it's called mm. just this idea like how powerful mm. like you think it's nothing you think it's just air coming out of your mouth yeah you think it's a little private conversation you're having with someone about someone else but it's it is impactful um and the tongue if it's not controlled by Christ is deadly and destructive no one can control their tongue mm. by fallen nature our words are so often like poison restless in the desire to harm others mm. Yeah, and it can, as it says, it defiles the whole body, sets on fire the course of nature. Yeah, and set on fire by hell. Man, yeah. that's that's strong language. And again, here in verse nine to twelve, you're seeing that you're you're you show your double heart most with your tongue. Mm. Your 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 the heart that sings those songs we sang yesterday morning um, is also then talking bad about somebody else the next mm. day. You're showing your double heart. You show your loyalty to Jesus or not with your words. Mm. It's in that. That's really powerful to think about. I'm showing my faithfulness to Jesus mm. by what I choose to say. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's powerful. So idle, idle words are really important. Aren't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And if if one tongue can cause so much damage, um, imagine the devastation that many tongues can bring in a church family. Yeah. So this is really important about gossip and slander, um, harsh and unkind words, unthoughtful words. Yeah. And if just one word from one person can cause that much damage, imagine if there's a culture in the church where it's okay just to turn a blind eye or or, or close the ear to gossip. Yeah. but still like be okay with it circulating around mm-hmm. how much damage could be done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember what verse it is. It's in the Proverbs somewhere, but I think we talked about this recently, how like even an ear an ear that listens to gossip is also yeah. a liar. What have you expected? Um, and that's really strong. So mm-hmm. so both the ear and the tongue here mm-hmm. can be involved in this really destructive sin. Certainly, yeah. Um, so yeah, so this, is, this can be quite depressing to think about all this, the power that your tongue has, but it can be used as a force for good. Yes. The same tongue that can rip and tear and hurt and harm can be transformed by Christ mm. to heal mm. and to help. Yeah, it's impossible for us to do that without Christ. Yeah. But with Christ and the Holy Spirit empowering us, um, then we can. Oh, yeah. So for, verse 8 again, no man can tame the tongue, but there was one man who did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's... If holiness is Christ in me, which I believe it is, then the Holy Spirit, Jesus said when the Spirit comes, he's going to be producing in you mm-hmm. Christ-likeness. He's going to be pointing you back to me over and over again. So so think, right? We, we said how horrible culture of gossip, slander, and harsh and unkind words and unthoughtful words yeah. would be if we had a whole body where that was taking place. Mm. Think about the other side of it. Yeah. What if we had, which which I think many times we do. Thank God. Yeah. What if we had consistently from from everyone in the body? Yeah. We had this culture of using our words, um, not for gossip, but to build people up. Yeah. To heal, to help, to encourage. Yeah. Yeah. It's vastly beautiful. different, isn't it? And that's what God wants to work in yeah. you. So that's His desire for you is that you would be someone whose words are, are beautiful and edifying building up helpful this is what he wants to work in you this is what he is working in you if you're a follower of him uh so christ tamed his tongue everything mm-hmm. christ said was purposeful helpful good even when he was rebuking and admonishing yeah. the pharisees yeah it was not done in this sinful either way like we saw in chapter one yeah um it it, it was gracious it was good his words he he tamed his tongue um and then he died for every untamed tongue through ever was mm-hmm. uh he died for you know the bible says you give an account for every idle word so all the idle words that you've ever spoken that are sinful christ died mm-hmm. as as the God, christ jesus died as a gossip as a slanderer as a mocker as a reviler yeah even though he wasn't wow so, thank god for that man yeah so he forgives us and he transforms us from the inside out to live this out in our lives so look yeah you know, speaking into what you said just there, and I know we need to wrap this up real quick, but um, there was there was a, a fellow that was at our church for a while. He was a he was an uh, Iranian asylum seeking immigrant, and um, when he was in Iran, he was forced out just for trying to request to read a, uh, the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and bounty on his head, runs to Britain, ends up in Sheffield somewhere, goes in a Baptist church, um, and. He's, he, before he goes to the Baptist church, he, he goes to the library. Um, he rents out a New Testament. Mm-hmm. And as he's reading the New Testament, he's saying exactly what you said a moment ago. He's rebuking the Pharisees. He's rebuking the Sadducees. But there's such love and mm-hmm. compassion in what he's saying. And this really resonated with him. Mm-hmm. 
where he said, okay, well, whatever this man says, now that I've seen his response to his enemies, whatever this man says, I'm going to believe it. Right. And he read the rest of the gospel and he got up to the crucifixion and didn't read any farther and went to a Baptist church on Christmas day, mm. to a Christmas day service and heard the gospel of Jesus for the first time. Beautiful. And he said, growing up a Muslim, I'd never had a Christmas present. Obviously <laughs> the first Christmas present I ever received was Christ. Was Christ. Oh, wow. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. But it was all because he saw in Jesus's yeah. uh, character and attributes, like something that was foreign to this world. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are listening to this and you're like, you know, I, I have been a gossip, I have slandered, I have been, I've used my tongue like a whip mm. or like fire to hurt people and you're a follower of Jesus, you can come to Jesus who yeah. forgives his people, who yeah. washes them, who cleanses, who, who died for every idle word and who wants to to renew your tongue, mm. you know, yeah. and 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 have you become a person who, who serves with their life. So, oh, man. God can work that in me as well. Yeah. yeah, let it be so, Lord, please. Yeah, when you're reading these commands, you're reading God's desire, and he He will get what he wants. And, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he will make, one day we will be the epitome of, of quick to hear, slow yeah. to wrath, and yeah. you see him. So. It's going to be great. Yeah. What 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 our glorified tongues are going to be like someday. Yeah, man. Yeah. And we're just living like it's true. Yeah. Like So, yeah, God help us to, Divide this principle and then we'll cover the next little section the next one sounds good thanks for listening to the Baldy Bishops podcast if you wish to get a hold of us you can contact us at baldybishops at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram hey do you want to go get that okay that sounds great let's go